welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I'm, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 120th episode, our guest is Jonathan Abrams. Jonathan Abrams is an award-winning journalist who writes for Bleacher Report. He is the author of the New York Times best-selling Boys Among Men. He was previously a staff writer at Grantland, the Los Angeles Times, and the New York Times, and is a graduate of the University of Southern California. His new book, All the Pieces Matter, The Inside Story of the Wire, was released February 13th and is now also a New York Times bestseller. And now on to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah. Hey, it's Rob. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, I guess uh, go ahead and introduce yourself for people that don't know who you are, just to start out with here. I am uh, Jonathan Abrams, and I'm an author. I wrote a oral history of the wire. Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed your book, and uh, my friend uh, Jonathan, no, uh, Jonathan, I know Jonathan Fowler, uh, and I—we've known each other a long time. He's been an ardent fan of The Wire for years, and uh, I'm a, I'm a newcomer to it, so I was seeing it all for the first time. But but he had always been pestering me about to watch the show, and I finally did, and so that that uh, led me to read your book here. But I know you weren't quite as late a comer as I was, but you you were not initially uh, a fan of the wire when it first came on tv right i mean i have met like maybe like two people who actually watched the show when it first first came on um i mean i was watching the show when it was still actually airing but i I didn't start from the from the get-go no i mean that was back in college though i mean shoot back in those days i probably couldn't even get hbo Right, right. So, um, but what what was the uh, what what initially when you first got into it? Finally, what hooked you about it? What what was special to you about it? Uh, I think it was a show where the first thing that hooked me to it was just seeing such a broad array of black characters playing different roles, um, which I hadn't really seen on television too often before that. That was a rarity that I think a lot of the actors at the time also realized is that you have black actors working as gang members and black actors working in the police department and black actors being in the mayor or in the mayor's office. And, you know, one of the interesting things in talking to David Simon, the show's creator about it was that he was just trying to show the Baltimore that he knew and recognized as real, trying to show the accurate demographics. But, you know, at the same time, TV most of the time didn't really pay any heed to that type of realism. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and I think you write in the in the book, or at least you know the people in, in the book also talk about this. Um, you know, they were snubbed many times for for awards because it was like turn on the camera, go to Baltimore, there you go. They didn't recognize that it was there was something happening, you know, beyond the surface level, and then they were just like, oh, you know, where's the production value? You know, <laughs> yeah, it was almost like some people almost thought it was almost like a documentary. <laughs> uh huh. Right. Right. For sure. Um, now, this book. Uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, you watched it for the first time. And you have fresh eyes on it. How do you think the show holds up? Okay. Okay. Well, let's get right into it then. Um, so. 
for me, I always like I was always more of a Sopranos fan, and I, I, that's probably one of my favorite shows of all time. And I never really got into The Wire because that was always that other show that was coming on. I was like, oh, whatever. And then uh, I, I watched two episodes, and I didn't really get into it. And then I watched like I was like, okay, and everyone keeps telling me this is great, but I need to keep watching it. And I watched like seven or eight, and I realized if I had just watched like a couple more episodes, I would have been all the way in because it was really the shooting of Kima that um, you know drew me all the way into the 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 storyline and then like all that tension that had been building gets released and then you finally get that payoff and I never got to that payoff to actually get slingshotted into the show you know what I mean so um, but it's a you even have people in the book talk about this it's a slow burn especially that first season it's like it really takes a minute to get going right yeah they, they drop you into this vast universe with so many characters and you, the dialogue you're, you can't understand what they're saying until you get you Used to it, mm-hmm. and you've never seen a cop show where nobody shoots their gun. And <laughs> there's just so much stuff going on that you're wondering, what in the world am I watching? It really, like, I think it may have taken me four episodes. I think is like how much it takes most people. Like, you gotta mm-hmm. push through those first like four or so episodes, and then the world kind of comes together a little bit uh, mm-hmm. more. Kind of see the the players and the powers that be in that in that structure, but I mean it's a, it's an investment. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, and I, and I think this this show may be like uh, it's groundbreaking in so many ways. But I think one way that it's really established, and, and me and my friend Jonathan were talking about this, um, you know, it's that cold open where they don't tell you what's going on, and you're just thrust into the scene, and you just have to figure out what's going on. I feel like that The Wire really established that as like a TV. It's now become a trope because everybody does it. The Walking Dead does it. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like it has this scene and it's extreme and whoa, what's going on? And do 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 like you know the the title plays but like the the wire did that but it did it in subtle ways too because of that you know i was thinking that scene with bubbles when he first tries to get clean in season one and he's just sitting in the park there and you know the birds are chirping and you know that's just as disorienting as some chaotic scene but it doesn't explain it It, the payoff is later in the episode when you're oh that's okay so he's getting clean and that's why you know what i mean yeah those cold opens are killers i mean i think about some of the ones that stick out in my head and it's like the standoff with Brother Muzon and mm-hmm. and, and uh, Michael K. Williams uh, Omar and you know another one was in season I think it was season 5 where Michael was running away from Snoop and Chris mm-hmm. and that it's real but they're only trying to trying to get him prepared and just yeah I mean they really opened the door for, for cold opens among so many other things sure yeah I'm trying to think because I saw the Sopranos all the way through once. Did the Sopranos use cold opens? I don't remember. Uh, they do, but it's less esoteric. I think. I think it's like you just see the. You kind of just. Uh, a lot of them are just like them sitting around the butt of Bing and you know talking and well, you know, like like it's like it's it's like a slice of life more than like what's going on here. You know what I mean? But like the wire really is like they're not afraid to, to confuse the audience at least at first. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think you know it's groundbreaking, and and the fact that it was like, okay, we're not going to explain every single detail mm-hmm. to you, and you don't have to figure out a lot of it on your own. But if you stick with us, 
you're, you're more than likely to get it and it'll be a payoff. Like you'll feel satisfied. It's like, you know, almost eat, like eating a, a healthy meal that's also tastes good, you know? It's like, <laughs> well, I, th- I think I described it to my friend Jonathan as uh, it's eating your vegetables in a lot of ways. Like, it's like, it's like, this is good for you. Just open up. Like. <laughs> it so, is, it is. And some of that, yeah. yeah, some of that stuff is, that's like one of the quotes that David Simon described it is like, you know, a lot of the times the audience wants ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, mm-hmm. but you got to figure out that, you know, at some point you need to eat your vegetables. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. Um, so, I mean, like you, I, I think you said at one point in the book, if, if David Simon had not agreed to be in this book, it would have been a hard book to write. Um, you got pretty incredible access to uh, pretty much everybody I would want to hear from that you could hear from. Obviously, some people, uh, uh, the guy that played Prop Joe uh, has passed away, um, you know, so uh, there, there's all these other people. Uh, the, the one guy that actually was the drug uh, pusher back in the 70s and 80s, I forget his name. Um no. Williams. Yes, he's passed away since. So, like, there's people you couldn't talk to, but um, you you got a pretty wide range of people that, like, all the key players, I think, were represented. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to work on, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of those people hold the show in high regard and really appreciate that experience, especially looking back at it in, in retrospect. It meant a lot to them in their career. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, who was the, the easiest person to get a hold of and who who took some real work to get, get to? <laughs> it's funny because um, both of them, both of the answers to that question were both of the, the two two of the biggest stars on that show. (laughs) Um, So I got lucky with Michael B. Jordan because um, my old boss at Grantland, Bill Simmons, had um, was like friends with his manager. So that was one of the first interviews I did um, was Michael B. Jordan. And then Idris Elba was, was really, really tough trying to get him because he's probably the, along with Michael B. Jordan, probably the biggest star to come out of that show. So it took... Uh, a while to get him and it's a uh, yeah but to, to to sidetrack a little bit uh on on the subject of michael b jordan um you know i think that him along with you know the guy that played d uh, what was his name Lawrence Gilliard. Yeah. And Stringer Bell, uh, Idris Elba, they were all very upset to find out that their characters had died on the show because that was like, they're, they're working actors. They, they like to have a job. <laughs> um, but um, but to us, like like the death of Wallace, the death of, uh, you know, Stringer Bell, these are like, that's some of the most classic television I've ever seen. Like, like, like I my heart was ripped out of my chest when Wallace was killed. You know, but he died in season one, but that informs the entire rest of the show because we even have when Bodhi dies, not to skip ahead, but when Bodhi dies, he has that conversation with Poot right before he dies. It's like, you know, when little Kevin gets killed and he makes the connection between that and Wallace and it's like, oh, it's, it's so profound because it goes on for so long and it's like, man, that was like, he's the conscience of the show. But he dies in season one, but he sticks with it the entire, like a ghost. He hangs over the rest of the proceedings. So, I mean, you, you watch this show after you've presumably seen Game of Thrones and everything that's been out today. Just imagine watching that show when it was coming on mm-hmm. 15, 14 years ago. At, at that point, you don't kill characters who matter, who, who drive and move a storyline. Yeah. So, and it was just, you know, even though I didn't watch it 
when it came on, I watched it shortly after, and to see those deaths, I mean, people are still, like Michael B. Jordan's, like, I still get Where's Wallace, you know, almost every day, constantly. <laughs> and, you know, back then, you know, speaking about how upset they were as actors, I mean, that was before Michael B. Jordan is Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, of you know? course. I, he's, he's not worried about losing any jobs today, I'm sure. But. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, at that point, he's wondering if he's ever going to get another acting job again, and, mm-hmm. and same with same with Idris, you know, he was really starting to love that character and, you know, that's taken away from him. And Lawrence Gilliard even admitted that the wire spoiled him. Like he was so used to the Chris writing on the wire to where he turned down so many jobs after, after his character had been killed off that show to where, you know, honestly, the, the next thing I saw him on was the walking dead. Cause there's a lot of characters. I think the, the, Walking Dead showrunner is like a big Wire fan, so you see a bunch of Wire guys on that show. Oh yeah, definitely. And the and Cuddy is on the Wire, or the Walking Dead. So and Cuddy and Seth Gilliam, who played uh, Ellis Carver. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right, right. Um, so I, was, I cut you off when you were going to tell me who the hardest was, who the who was the hardest to get a hold of. Oh, Idris was the hardest. Him and um. Hmm. Him and uh, Wood Harris, who played Avon Stringer, were, were pretty tough. But I had a, a Angel on my side, and Alexa Fogel was a casting director, and she really believed in the project, so she was really pivotal in getting me some some key figures for this book. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I, I I know we only, we only have a uh, half an hour here, so I'm I have a speed round for you. I have a couple of uh, uh, the wire uh, speed round questions. So, um, first of all, I just want you to like. I know that wire the wires probably at the top, but what are your top five favorite TV shows of all time? Oh my goodness, you're gonna get me thinking on this. Take your time. All right, just off the top of my head, I'm a. I'm a Breaking Bad guy. I think that show was incredibly well told. Um, I always go back and forth on The Wire and Breaking Bad, but they're ultimately two very, very different shows. Um, This is going to catch me off guard because I know I'm going to forget something, and I know I'm also going to name something that I didn't really want to put into my top five. (laughs) But you always got to have that one choice that just makes you seem like, whoa, what's up with that guy? I know. Um, I was a last guy up through probably the ending. Hmm. Um, Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with my last one, I'm going to go with the show that I grew up on, uh, The Practice. I like The Practice a lot. I used to watch that when I was in college during the day. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. One of those ones that that I grew up on that I feel like, you know, told criminality and, and legal justice in a different way. Mm-hmm. All right. Top five favorite characters from The Wire. Now I know I'm going to really get in trouble. <laughs> well, we should say that The Wire is one of the most, like, character heavy. I mean, how many main characters of this show are there? 50 at least? Okay. <laughs> so. I for, for a top 50. Okay. <laughs> We'll go with um, Andre Royal as Bubbles, mm. J.D. Williams as Bodie, Wendell Pierce as Bunk. Mm. And you gotta give you gotta give it to Michael K. with Omar. Mm-hmm. And I'm down to one more. 
Um, Jesus, fifth one is going to be hard. I'm, I'm going to cheat on this, and I'm going to say the four kids from season four. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You can't squeeze four people into one spot. <laughs> That's not allowed, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I appreciate your, your, your gusto. That's a, wow. Okay. <laughs> that was a good answer though. I like that. I like that. Um, well, I mean, uh, I, I should probably say that as long as we're talking about the four kids from season four, I, I think season four has to be my favorite season because the the ultimate payoff with them is you see why these characters never have a chance. And it's like, lift yourself up by your bootstraps. And it's like, what bootstraps? Like, you know, the only one that gets, you know, saved is uh, Naaman, you know, and he gets to go with, you know, Bunny's family, you know, and that's the only reason he's okay. Um, so random, right? Why, why Naaman is the one who gets to make it it's like nothing he necessarily did on his own it's just random yeah he was so mean to his friends like why is he the why wasn't it like dookie or somebody you know <laughs> you know but like but but then that's the payoff of the show of course is that you know dookie is the new uh you know bubbles and uh you know uh, michael is the new you know, omar and you know it's like these perennial things that it's always somebody and it's just them now you know yeah. 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 Um, but I think Ed Burns, one of the co-creators on the show, called it the dandelion cases where you mm-hmm. plot one dandelion and, and five, six, seven pop up in the same place. Definitely, definitely. Okay. I have to tell you my main problem with The Wire, and I've, I've seen it the first time, like I said, uh, just, just recently, so I'm very fresh off of it. I really did not like season five at all. I thought it was very bad. And I'm a journalist, so I should like it the most because it's about the media, and I, I think that Gus is a very heroic character. Um, but I, I think that the serial killer plot line was terrible. I think it was a bad decision. And it it made everything else around it seem unreal to me, and and I only think that because The Wire is a very realistic feeling show, except for that one thing. And then Lester Freeman go, is not only going along with it, but he's leading the charge. And then Templeton Templeton the Rat wins the wins the Pulitzer. You know, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so. I know. I mean, you're definitely not alone in in that club, and I, I definitely can see why you have those sort of arguments. And you know, I'll, to to be fair, I have some of those same questions too. But you know, at the same time, HBO was squeezing uh, the show to just do ten episodes that season, mm. and just, to just get it wrapped up. And it was really interesting. Pretty sure I was at the New York Times as a staff writer when that last season came on. So just seeing so many characters in the newsroom that I could identify with and, mm-hmm. and know and feel like you know who they were was really interesting for me to to see as a you know journalist working at a newspaper mm-hmm. at that time. And then you know, I really really think that that series finale that capper for that giant 60 show 60 episode arc was just amazing and and tying everything up with the bow so i mean i feel like that finale really saved it what did you think about the sopranos ending see i only saw the sopranos once and i know 
that that's everybody's number one show, a lot of people's number one show. And I know that the screen turned black and there's a debate over whether Tony was killed or not, but I don't really remember the circumstances that lit up to it. So hmm. it's tough for me to say. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. Well, all right. But back to the speed round. All right. So um, what is your favorite end of season montage song? Oh, man. Hmm. I like season two. Me too. That's uh, a good one. What did you think of season two? I liked it a lot. I liked it a whole lot. And it would be my favorite season, except I think season four has to be number one. Um, season two, you know, I knew it was coming. I knew the shift was going to change after season one, but kind of had to because, you know, the Barksdale crews uh on their heels and you know we we, we've we've kind of run our course with that storyline for the moment um but i think it was important too because i I think ta-nehisi coates said it on on your old uh, bosses bill simmons podcast it was like this is not just a black thing this is a white thing this is the system it's dragging everybody down doesn't matter um you know what i mean like this is like (laughs) ziggy is like selling (laughs) coke now (laughs) so um, but I like that. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I, I got I got so mad, not mad, but Tanahasi said that before the book came out, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, so right on the point because I had like the the show's creator and the actors talking about that this was the point they were trying to make, and I'm like Tanahasi is coming out with it now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. But um, what is your favorite version of the theme song? I mean, I feel like season one is like the the OG for me. That's the song that I linked to The Wire. Um, More than the Tom Waits original. It is, because, I mean, I wasn't... I'll be honest, I didn't know Tom Waits. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the, I was the world's biggest Tom Waits fan before this, but it did make me listen to Tom Waits, though. So. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was one of those guys who, um, yeah, the guy who played Waylon is like a famous, their uh, Bubbles pal is like a famous. Yeah, Steve, Steve Earle. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Steve Earle fan, but I knew he, who he was before. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it's funny. He was when I talked to him. He's like, "Yeah, there's a lot of people like still come up to me, and they're like, thanks for saving bubbles, man.' <laughs> for that, then then for his music, it's like a fictional thing I didn't even really do is like more prominent than my actual work. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, um, but uh, you you worked at Grantland, and uh, what's your favorite memory of working at Grantland? Oh man, it was just a a really fun place to to work at and being around a lot of smart, fun people. Um, it was a, a really good time. That's a like Bill was a boss who let you do what you thought you were good at, and he got behind you, and it was a really good experience. Yeah, for sure. I was I was a big big reader of it. So, um, well, is there anything else about the book that I didn't ask you about? I mean, probably it was. You know, three hundred something pages. Sure, so. I'm I'm absolutely positive. <laughs> uh, but you know, in this in this time span, I'm I'm sorry, but I went with you know all the guys from season four for my number, number five. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't say I disagree because they're very indelible. And that's the other thing about the, the Wire too. If we want to go back to it, it's like, you know, those those kids like they were great actors, and like I think that they were like, you know, a, a worse show with kid actors. I mean, that's when the show's dying, right? You like bring in the kid, the, the characters have a child for some reason. Um, you know, uh, that's that's always what happens when they try to like keep it going. Um, but they like they really brought it, and you know that was pretty unique. Yeah, no, it was it was really great, and that was one of the. I mean, Prop Joe, the character was a, a wonderful character on the show, but mm-hmm. I really, really wish I would have been able to talk to Robert Chu because he was also such a great acting coach, and he really helped push and prod and get those kids through season four. Mm-hmm. But rest in peace, he passed away a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, last question before we go. Uh, what music have you been listening to lately? What music have I been listening to lately? I've listened to a lot of music, uh, a lot of hip hop. Uh, I really like the Royce the Five Nine CD that came out, I think last month. Um, so the Nas CD I've been checking out, although I'm a little bit disappointed in it. Hmm. Uh, but a lot of a lot of hip hop. What did you think of the? Um, uh, I was gonna say Malice, but Pusha T. Album. Well, I listened to a couple songs off of that. I listened to the Drake diss, of course, and that sure. was uh, that was pretty aggressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Um, do you think Clips will ever get back together? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Malice changed his name to No Malice, so I know. I know he did. That was a very dramatic change. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I'm interested in that Nas album. I haven't heard it yet, and I've been hesitant to hear the Kanye West album because I'm such a huge Kanye fan. But I just feel like his persona has kind of polluted it for me, or something. Yeah, I definitely feel that way as well. I took, um, I, I gave a listen, but I didn't think that there was anything that was really worth coming back to, to be honest. Hmm. And Kanye produced the Nas album, right? He did, and if you listen to it, it's, there's only, I want to say, seven songs on it, so, hmm. which was, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, he, Nas had a song like two and a half years ago with DJ Khaled called um, Nas Album Done. Do you remember that? I, I didn't know that was an actual song. I thought that was just part of a statement that DJ Khaled was making. <laughs> uh, it, it's a song called Nas, <laughs> and it was like two and a half years ago, and it was huh. like, you know about his his about his album being done, and I was like, "Oh man, this is great!" Because this song was really great, and then uh, two and a half years later, seven songs was just not worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still I'm still uh, I'm still over here waiting for Turbo Graphics uh, FX or whatever, or uh, maybe Cold Winter or whatever that was supposed to be. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Detox will finally come out. <laughs> Didn't that come out, though? Or no, that was Compton. Was that something else? Yeah, yeah the, the CD for the movie, the Compton, or, or the NWA movie. Oh. And, and he kind of, I think that was at the same time, he said he was just going to drop Detox and it was never going to come out. That's so disappointing. That was the one thing <laughs> I was holding out on. I always thought it was going to eventually come. Wow. I didn't know it was never coming. Okay. 
Um, but anyway, hey, uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, I really appreciate it. The book's great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think you did a great job with it, and I think the world history format is very cool. So I really appreciate that, man. That means a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, uh, have a good night, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways to support it. Join the Rob Burgess Show mailing list. Go to tinyletter.com forward slash the Rob Burgess Show and type in your email address. Then respond to the automatic message. I have a Patreon account, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Rob Burgess Show Patreon. I hope you'll consider supporting in any amount. 
Also, please make sure to comment, follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, and review everywhere the podcast is available, including iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Facebook, Twitter, Internet Archive, TuneIn, and RSS. The official website for the podcast is www.therobburgessshow.com. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. And if you have something to say, record a voice memo on your smartphone and send it to therobburgessshow at gmail.com. Include voice memo in the subject line of the email. Until next time.